I'll begin reading in verse 1 of Psalm 139. This is the word of God. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred, I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. With God's word open before us, let's all bow in a word of prayer. Our dear Father in heaven, Lord, as we come to your house today to consider your word, Lord, I pray that it would be a blessing to each of our hearts. Lord, I pray that as we consider your character who you are, that we would stand before you in awe and that we would grow to love you more. Lord, I pray that you would bless the time that we have today and draw us near to you. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done for us and for what you continue to do. We pray this in thy son's holy and precious name. Amen. There are certain things in life that we might consider that make us marvel. It could be the stars for their vastness and for their splendor. It could be some scientific discovery that shows the the uniqueness of God's creation. There's a lot of things that could make us marvel, but there is nothing more marvelous or wonderful than God's character. And if you think about it, in most cases, the primary reason anything else would be mind-boggling or wonderful is because it relates to God's character, such as his power in creating the stars and putting his handiwork in science and in nature. The wonders of God's character are strewn throughout the Bible, 
and none more so than in this psalm that we have just read. What we see here in this passage is David, the psalmist, contemplating and wondering at God's character. For in multiple places we see him breaking out in the marvels of God's character. In verse 6, if you look down there, we see him stating that the knowledge that God has beset him all around is too wonderful for him. Then in verse 14, after considering God's power in creating and keeping him, he states, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so we see this theme of the wonders of God's character all throughout the psalm. And considering God's character is something that was much a much-needed thing for David. Because if you consider all the opposition and betrayals and, and failures that he experienced, you'll see that there was plenty of circumstances where he felt fear and, and despair and, and a deep sense of his sin. So for David, considering God's character was a tremendous source of comfort and joy, as well as a challenge to him to be more godly. And so the same is true of us as well in our lives. For every one of us, it is extremely important that we do the same, that we consider God's character. Because we will also encounter things in our lives that may threaten to discourage us. We will all need to take times of, of self-examination, and considering God's character is extremely vital to that. So what I would like to preach on today is the wonders of God's character. And there are four of them in this psalm that I would like to consider. The first one we see in verses 1 through 6. In verses 1 through 6, the psalmist focuses on God's omniscience and concludes that with his infinite knowledge, the Lord has surrounded him and protected him. In verse 1, he states that the Lord has searched him completely and known him. Then in the following three verses, he explains to what extent the Lord knows him. Verse 2 shows that the Lord knows his thoughts completely before he has ever even thought them. And that really is the sense of afar off, before he has thought them. Then verses 3 and 4, respectively, show that the Lord knows his every action and his every word. Now, obviously, by implication, the Lord knows our every thought, word, and deed before they ever happen. And this, I think, would make most people feel very uncomfortable because as they see themselves, they understand that they are sinners. We understand that as well. But rather than unsettling David, the knowledge moves him to say in verse 5, that the Lord has beset him all around and laid his hand on him. Consider Israel as, as they ran from the Egyptians with the pillar of cloud leading them from the front and then the pillar of fire defending them from assault from behind. So does the Lord beset his people round about them and protects them. And so in these first six verses, what better way is there to show his infinite knowledge than in how he leads and protects his people. As the all-knowing God, there is nothing that will ever happen in our lives that will take God by surprise, for it is he that has put those things in our lives. 
Regardless, still, it can be difficult to accept those challenging things that God has placed into our lives. And so there may be times where we wrestle against how the Lord has planned those things for our life. But the best thing for us can only be what God has planned for us, because he is omniscient. He knows all. He knows us. And he knows the future. And we must surrender to God and to what he has planned for us. Because he knows us. But it's not just in a matter-of-fact way that God knows his children, those that have put their faith in him. It's not just a, a fact that God knows. It's in an intimate way that God knows his, his people. As a father knows his children, and leads them in the way that only he knows how. In a way that he would never put something in their lives that would cause them, cause us to fail altogether. For as the psalmist says, Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. His hand is upon his children, not in an oppressive way, or as in a, a domineering way, but in protection and in care because God loves us and he cherishes us as our children. And so this is the wonder of this part then, that we are protected and cared for, known and loved by the all-knowing God of the universe. And so this leads us to proclaim along with the psalmist that such knowledge is too wonderful for me the fact that God knows us. It is high. We cannot attain unto it. But this is not the only wonder of God's character in this psalm. The second one is that we are comforted by the ever-present God in his omnipresence. In verses 7 through 12, the fact that God is always present with us leads the psalmist to the comfort that even in his darkest points in his life, the Lord would comfort him. The light would shine round about him. In verse 7, he poses the question, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? The answer that he gives is that there is nowhere that he can go, that God is not there. If he goes up into the furthest reaches of space among the stars, God is present there. Or if he descends in the deepest recesses of the earth, God is still there. If he goes from the farthest point in the horizon, where the sun rises from in the east, to the uttermost parts of the Mediterranean in the west, God is still present with him. So for David, wherever he could look, wherever he could be, God was present there with him. But it's not just that God is with him and is impassive, he says in verse 10 that even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. That God is present with him, but also leading and guiding him. This fact then leads the psalmist to conclude that if he is ever in a moment of deepest despair, there will still be an abundance of hope. He says in verses 11 through 12, if I say surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. 
Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. And so we can take this comfort as well. Wherever we are, whatever God calls us to do, if God calls us to things that we might feel daunted at, things that would make us shake in our boots, that would make us fear, we do not need to fear because we have the Lord on our side. The God, the omniscient and omnipresent God is for us. And so we can take this comfort. If he is ever at a point, this is David, if he is ever at a point where he feels like he's, he's going to be overwhelmed by the darkness of his circumstances that offer little hope and will be swallowed by them, even in that moment, there will be an abundance of light because the Lord is with him. This is the comfort that every believer has that is walking in fellowship with him. That when we are confronted with times that threaten to confound and destroy us, we should not be dismayed because the Lord is with us. And when the Lord is with us, he reminds us of his word, which says that he is a lamp, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. This is something that is truly wondrous to consider, that the omnipresent God is not only with us, but is for us. For the person who has surrendered their life to Christ can confidently say that, that God is for me. There is a third wonder of God's character that we see in this, in this psalm. And that is that we are loved by the all-powerful God. Verses 13 through 18 speak of the psalmist being formed by God and also known by God since he was born. Verses 13 and 14 specifically speak of the psalmist being formed and created by the Lord. This has God's power in creation in view, taken down to a personal level by, by David. But it, again, the fact that God's knowledge of him goes far deeper than just a factual knowledge. It wasn't just that God knew where David was as he was being formed in his mother's womb. It was not just that he, he knew these facts, but even when he was still being formed, God knew him. He was his father. The Lord knew him as his child. So ever since David was born, the Lord was guiding him and protecting him. Even when he did not know the Lord, the Lord knew him. Although David had not put his faith in Christ as of yet, he didn't know who the Lord was, but the Lord was going to, in time, to call him to himself. So this acknowledgement that he was created by God and known since the beginning leads him to confess God's power in his creation. Look down in verse 14. He says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. This understanding of God's power in creation leads the psalmist to wonder at the fact that God knows him. But again, not just that he knows him, but that he loves him. 
For in verses 16 through 17, he says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which, were, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! And so this is true of every born-again Christian as, as well. For as Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we didn't even know God, God set his love upon us. He, he sought us out and brought us in time to believe in Christ. This is, again, something that we marvel at that the God who formed man in all the minute details of the inner workings of the human body and who created the stars also thinks upon us. I don't know if you've ever taken a telescope or, or even a microscope and, and brought into focus the stars or brought into focus bacteria, any small thing or, or large things that are far out in that we see God's miraculous power in creation, all of which he spoke into existence with a word. He brought man, Adam, into existence by just forming him out of the dust of the ground. He, the God who is all-powerful, omnipotent, knows us. That is truly wondrous. That God thinks upon us with love, I cannot understand it. He delights to do this too. For those who are, who are forgotten or who are not, not known, he sees them and remembers them. Consider Hagar after she was deserted and, and left for dead by Abraham and Sarah as she is out in the wilderness. The Lord sees her in her distress which moves her to say in Genesis sixteen thirteen, it, the, that verse says, And she called the name of, that, of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. Thou God seest me. Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? She wasn't seeking after God, but God saw her and had compassion on her. So in the same way has God had compassion on us and drawn us to himself for those who believe on Christ. The all-powerful God loving us and in time sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, to redeem us to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Again, that is truly wondrous. But there's a final thing that I would like to consider in, in this psalm, and that's the wonder of a perfectly holy God preserving us. We see David in verses 19 through 24 transition to what seems to be a totally different topic. He says, Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. Up to this point, he has been talking about his relationship with, with, Christ, with God and how God's character plays into that relationship. 
But now he, he is considering something related but different. He is considering God's holiness. And that's why he says in verse 19, Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Because if God is omniscient, which is the first thing that we considered, then he knows the wickedness of the ungodly. If he is all-powerful, then he can certainly destroy the wicked. And then because God is also perfectly holy and just, he will bring judgment on the, upon the wicked. Then, in keeping with the topic, David considers how he should also be holy, as God is holy. He reflects God's hatred for sin. Now, this con- consideration of the wicked and how they are grieving to him and to the Lord leads David to, to search his own heart and to plead with the Lord to do the same. For as he contemplated the situation of the wicked, he also saw the wickedness of his own heart. He also saw his own failures. He saw his, his own doubt, his own fear. And as we consider God's character, especially in his holiness, we see our own shortcomings. We see our own sin. And, and we marvel that God still loves us. And it is only because we stand in, in Christ's righteousness that we can have that love. And again, we marvel at this. But still, we must all consider how we... We consider how God searches us. We consider God's omniscience of, of us. There are many ways, many responses one could have towards God's character, towards his omniscience and omnipresence and holiness. You could have, you could have fear because because God is a holy God therefore he is going to punish unrighteousness and and that is true but for the christian we know that our our sins have been forgiven and if your sins have been forgiven if you have come to Christ then you need not fear or another response is is indifference this would be most of the responses of, of the ungodly, of, of people who don't care about, about God and, and don't believe. And then also there, there might be anger because there are many in, in this world that, that do not like the idea of an all-knowing God and a holy God having to say what they are supposed to do in, in their lives. And this is a sad, sad truth that there are those in this world that, that do not fear God and would dare to, to stick their nose up at him. But as this psalm shows us, God will punish the wicked. But... With the comforts of this psalm, we Christians can stand firm in our lives 
knowing that God is present with us and he knows us in each of our places. He knows everything that we are going through and he knows everything that we will go through and he will give us the strength and the grace to to persevere through those if we place our trust in him. And so let, let, let us all focus on the character of God in our lives and let it be the, the strength and comfort in our lives. And so with this, I close. Let us all remember that God is present with us in our lives for those who, who believe in him and who are, are seeking that God would lead us in the way everlasting. Let us close in a word of prayer. And then we'll, uh, Mr. Neiman will come up with a final hymn. Let us all pray. Our dear Father in heaven, Lord, we thank thee for the truths of your word that you have given to us. Lord, I pray that we would consider your word, consider who you are. And Lord, I pray that as we consider that, that we would be drawn closer to you and that we would be more like you. Lord, we thank you for for loving us and for drawing us to yourself. Lord, I pray that you would bless us in the rest of the time that we have today. May our worship and our praise be honoring to you. And Lord, we pray all of this in thy Son's holy and precious name. Amen.